Hello everyone and welcome to this webinar. I'm Francis Seeley from GlobalNet21 and Impel Voices and this is one of our webinars that we do quite regularly and we're going to look at climate change but not just climate change we've got in November COP26 coming up which is a a, a summit of world leaders, probably the biggest conference that the UK has ever held. And it's really important in terms of setting the agenda this decade for climate change. Some people believe it's one of the most important uh, meetings of its kind. And we need to create awareness about that and have input into that. And we've got with us Fiona Deer, who is from the the Climate Coalition, she's campaign manager, she'll tell us about that. And she's going to tell us about the background to that and also how we're going to try, try and make a splash in September prior to the COP26 meeting. So Fiona, thank you for joining us today. Can I start by you just telling us a little briefly, a little bit about your background and your interest in climate change? Um, so I work at the Climate Coalition, which is a coalition of um, over 100 organisations, and it's kind—it's um, every—it's kind of the, the ones you'd expect to be in it, like Greenpeace, but then also some development organisations like Oxfam, um, and and then increasingly in recent years we've got some more traditional sorts of organisations like WI and National Trust, but. As well as that, we've got local groups like the brilliant Cambridge Carbon Footprint and others like that. So it's a real mix of, of civil society organisations. I've worked at the Climate Coalition um, for about ten years now, so I've been I've been involved in in it for a long time. And and before that, I was I worked for a different climate organisation. And, and before that, I was in, I, I got into it through conservation uh, basically, and um, uh, I, I really worried about. Uh, the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> so that's my background. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've, saw, I've seen some pictures of you of your previous life, and uh, I can see you've been very active in the climate protest movement, which is which is really great. Um, I mean, some. I mean, a lot of people will know what the Climate Coalition is, but not everyone will. So maybe you could tell us, you know, what that is and what's its purpose. Yeah. So um, we we basically. Um, our, ma our main aim is to put pressure on the government so that they um, increase their ambition on climate change. Uh, we focus on using public, like um, public mobilization and raising public voices um, to put pressure on the government. Uh, we obviously get involved in some political um, negotiating and we develop some policy um, positions and things like that, but, but we work with other partners to do that and we really try and um, get people out. And one thing that we've realized I guess it's been uh, for the last five or six years is there was just a realization that um, particularly with the government at the time, and I think it's still uh, fair to say the government of this time, um, the way that we were going to influence the government um, needed a bit of careful thinking about. So, um, so we used to we organized huge demos before, um, but then but uh, but then we realized that that's really important. But what we also needed is to kind of really amplify the voices of, of the vast majority of the UK public that care about this. So it's it's um it's about seventy five percent plus of the UK public are concerned about about climate change, but you wouldn't necessarily know about it. We know more about it in the last year, um, but there's a lot of people who don't necessarily show it because they don't feel like activists. And so we try and develop ways for those people to be a bit more visible in their concern. So, I mean, you're about creating awareness, but you're also about putting pressure on government. I and mean, I just posted an article which read 
Canada, Norway, UK hypocrites because coal mines, Athabasca sands, oil um, is still going ahead. So in a way, you have a lot of work to do, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we really do. And and actually, it's it's um at the, towards the end of last year, it really felt like we were having some wins. And um, what we what we really wanted in the lead up to COP is obviously for the climate summit to be really successful, but also to use that as a way of getting the government to really step up and. Um, and you know they've got the net zero um, climate target, uh, which came in a couple of years ago, but they didn't really have any policies to deliver it. So that there, there were some really big steps forward last year, and it was great. But then since then, we've got, as you said, the coal mine. There's the that roll, the rollback on the green homes grant, and there's just um, so yeah, it's starting to look a bit more concerning. So so we just need to ramp it. We need to ramp up the public pressure and show that um, that there are consequences for rolling back, but also that there are wins to be had if they step up and it's going to be appreciated. Um, so yeah, there's lots to do. But you also have to, you know, create more awareness in a way when you talk about ramping up, ramping up the public. I mean, uh, an opinion poll showed the UK is the most concerned of any Western country about climate change, 85%, I think. But another opinion poll showed they measured the salience, the intensity of feeling, and it wasn't as high. It was below a lot of other areas. And um, over 50% wouldn't you know, increase their taxes to combat, combat climate change. So you've got a job to do on the general public as well, don't you? Um, yeah, yeah, we, we definitely do. And, and, you're, and that's exactly it. So we, we're not trying to kind of convince climate skeptics to, to get involved. There's, there's just no point. But we are, there's just, there's a, I, I would guess 50% plus of the, of the British public that care but don't necessarily do anything about climate change. Or a lot of people who um, are really good at recycling and, they, and that's where it stops. And they think that that's, that's all they've got to do. So, um, and, and it's, that's all still really important, the whole movement around not wanting plastics and kind of pr putting pressure on supermarkets and things like that, that all filtered up and that's why the government has got much more, um, has felt like they, they've got to act on climate change and the environment in the last few years, but we just need to encourage that as much as possible. So it might be that um, uh, with a lot of people that they're we're not we're not expecting kind of um the whole population to go out on the street because that's just not, not going to happen it's not what people identify with and and to some extent um quite people are put off by that so it's finding the ways for people to show that they care in a way that um that feels comfortable to them but it's visible to politicians okay so we've got to turn concern into action and that's the challenge of this year um, because COP26 is coming up and that's an important meeting, as I mentioned. Now, again, a lot of us will know what that is, but some people won't. Do you want to explain what COP26 is? So um, it, COP, uh, the climate COP is a, is a climate summit that happens every year. It's, there's been 26 of them, um, or there will be after this one. Um, and and it, this one is, in, this is the first time that the UK has hosted one. Um, so that's so it's big. That's an imp that's important for us. But the other thing is that um, five years ago there was a Paris uh, the, the Paris COP, and that came up with this landmark agreement, which for the first time um, agreed that the aim was to keep climate change to one point five degrees, and that that had never been done before, and that and that. Um, uh, that was really important. So they, as part of that, they agreed um, a kind of a ratchet mechanism so that there was a way for countries to increase their ambition every five years um, without sliding back. 
So COP26 is five years on from Paris, and that's why it's really important. Um, so some of that process has already, so COP26 has been delayed by a year. It was supposed to happen last November, but obviously didn't because of COVID. Um, and so it's a bit of a drawn out process because um, countries need to submit a pledge of how much they're gonna reduce their carbon emissions. And that's called an NDC. Um, so a lot of those have been uh, were submitted towards the end of last year. Some of them were good, but it doesn't really add up to, to 1.5 degrees. So this year is, is also important for um, the UK government needs to be putting pressure on other countries. Um, there's been some obviously very important developments in that Biden is probably going to submit an NDC, um, sorry, a, a US climate pledge um, in hopefully in the next few months. And then that should hopefully ramp things up. Other things to bear in mind is that the UK is hosting the G7 in June. So that's that's quite an important opportunity for them to be kind of um, putting pressure on the other big countries to, to up their ambition. Um, so we need the UK to be doing that side of things, but we also need the UK to be actually putting its money where its mouth is. Because many people, including the UN General Secretary, felt that COP25 was disappointing, didn't they? because it didn't deal with carbon offsetting, it didn't deal with aid to underdeveloped countries. And those two issues are critical for COP26. So again, it's not about what we can do here, but what we can persuade within the international community to take the right sort of action. Yeah, and most of that happens before the COP, to be honest. And it's all about like the reason the Paris Climate Summit was it was uh, successful is because they, it was very carefully and cleverly managed with all with lots of pre um, uh, meetings and like moments where governments could come together and, and make uh, commitments. So um, the hope is that that happens through the G7 and through uh, Biden's having a climate summit and that sort of thing. So that that's really important. Um, but it's also worth remembering um, that the climate summit isn't all it, it's never going to be as good as we want it to be um so what's really important is that we don't put everything on it so that when it inevitably is a bit of a, li a little bit of a disappointment or hopefully only a little bit of a disappointment um that we don't just abandon everything it's, it's an important milestone but the real thing is actually embedding it in our communities making it making it part of our lives and um and that's where there's that interplay between political influence and and kind of just making it happen that's important, isn't it? Because if we don't keep um, temperature below 1.5%, and at the moment it's on a trajectory of 3 to 4%, then we face a, a horrific future. And the trouble is getting that message across when we have another crisis in COVID-19 has been difficult, and it must have made your job very difficult. Well, it's interesting. You, you'd think so. But actually, I'm not sure that we would have got um, what what was a good outcome is that the whole narrative around a green recovery really came to the fore quite soon after the first lockdown. And, and we were we were worried because the, the last recession, um, there was a there was an opportunity for the UK government um, or for gener generally governments in their their recovery packages, like economic packages, that you could really embed um, climate change action in that. But instead, in the last recession, they didn't. But it has actually been a key part of the narrative. Obviously, the action doesn't go far enough, but but in the UK and in a lot of other major countries, um, yeah. Climate change has been on the agenda as they're making these decisions. And that's really important because not only is it important because we get what we need, but the, the risk there was that if climate change wasn't anywhere, we would be we would be locked into this kind of 
high carbon society for you know a decade or more so so actually I feel like that's it's not as rosy as we'd like but but in a way I think that that is one of the things that we're probably in a best position in terms of climate change than we would have been if COVID hasn't happened. Okay, but to make us in a better position, we're trying to do the awareness creating and influencing government. And you're playing a major part in that, aren't you? Because you want to create a festival between September the 18th and 26th, prior to COVID, uh, COVID, not COVID, prior to COP26. Tell us about the festival. What is it? Yeah, so we wanted to have um, a massive, a really big moment um, where everybody, um, or as many people in the UK as possible, are um, forced to think about climate change because they've seen it in the media or in a poster or because they've gone along to an event or something. Um, we uh, know that um, I think there's um, about 66% of the UK public don't even know that the COP is happening. And that's fair enough. Most people don't really engage with these um, with these summits. And actually, to be, to be fair, whether they know that the COP is happening or not um, doesn't matter so much, but they do need to know that climate change is a big issue this year and they need to know that there's a lot of opportunity. Um, so we want to, first and foremost, we really want to raise the profile of climate change ahead of COP. We don't want to do it just at COP. It's really important to do activism around COP. But we want to do it ahead of COP so it's still with enough time to influence decisions and to make sure that the, our government is, is stepping up as much as possible. Um, we, the other things that we want to do is, um, so we want to have the political impact, impact really raise the profile. But we're also aware that so many more people who were in the, this space already are talking and thinking about climate change more. And we want to kind of really help to harness that and help be help encourage people to kind of make the connections that are going to last and that are going to mean that there are these stronger local movements ongoing into next year so we're trying to do a few different things um but but essentially um we so it feels like a festival is the best way of doing that and the other thing is as i said um the, the traditional thing has been to have an enormous protest and there, ha there are plans for that around the COP, but actually even those plans, um, they're probably going to be more de decentralised now because of COVID. So whether or not we were going to do a protest, it wouldn't be appropriate to put all of our eggs in one basket of getting everyone in the same place. So it had to be decentralised. And then that gave us an opportunity to really kind of encourage people to kind of step up in the places that in the wherever they are so um so by by kind of in, encouraging all sorts of different partners to get on board um you've got loads of different messengers talking to people in the way that they're likely to get interested and, and we're not kind of asking people to go from here to here we're asking people to go from here to here and here being more um more visible and and the movement feeling more vibrant yeah. I, i've realized I've talked a bit about the. Now, now, what I was going to say though is, do you have a brand for this festival and how will you promote it? Yes, yeah. I, I realised I, I talked a bit about the philosophy behind it, but I didn't really actually say what it was. <laughs> uh, but so the, the festival, um, it basically, is everything from events. So there'll be local events across the UK, thousands, we expect. And that's anything from, uh, you know, clothes swapping to um, electric car showroom it could be um it could be a climate makeover it could be tree planting it could be litter picking it could be um a, a church service that's climate themed or or um or services um services in other places of worship the idea is that it's anything like sports 
sports events and things like that so there'll be at those events and then this is where Enfield um I'm really excited about what's happening in Enfield because we'll have hubs so like local festivals as part of that and that's inspired by um uh festivals like Sustfest in St Albans and they've been building theirs up over five years and they've got to the point where they've got 200 events as part of their their one festival um so we hope that there'll be a lot of them there's been lots of interest and I'm very excited about Enfield being involved in that um and then alongside all of that we're building up partnerships with kind of broadcasters really high level par partners um we heard that we're almost certain that a, a, a very well-known premiership um football league uh, football team is going to support it so now we're excited and we're like what other very high profile football teams can we get on board um and then also cultural partners and things like that so the idea is that it's a bit of a kind of comic relief style vibe where it's it's everywhere in the community but it's also really high profile in the media have you given um, it have you given it a name yet that, that you know people can relate to well, I, I, to be honest, I think it's going to end up being something very similar to Climate Festival. We're playing around with names. We are, we're testing them, actually, with um, some of our target audiences. We've, there's been some brilliant audience research, um, which kind of talks about um, what the different values that people ha have and how they might get inv involved in, in climate change. And there's, for example, one audience segment that is actually really, really concerned about climate change, but they're sort of put off. By, by traditional um, climate um, protest, but they would, they're really in, uh, interested in getting involved in local community, so for example. So we are kind of testing with those audiences and the more kind of protesty audiences and just checking, basically checking that we come up with a name that's not gonna put people off. Uh, so it might be Climate Festival, it might be something like Green Week, um, but we'll know in the next few weeks. I mean, um, yeah. Oh, you, you mentioned um, St Albans, but you know Winchester and St Albans are two examples of uh, places that have done this before in a particular locality. To what extent does that uh, provide a template for people who want to do things themselves? I mean, without making them too frightened, because if you look at the St Albans one, it looks amazing, but they've had five years to build on it. Yeah. Um, but does it provide a template, give some advice about the sort of events that can take place? Oh, they can absolutely. I mean, in fact, it was that Sustainable St Albans, I joined a talk from, from them. They were talking to a few other transition town groups in their area and I, I basically came along. And that's what really embedded the idea of local climate festivals in this. And that's what makes it different and more exciting. So we, we've just, just been talking today about probably um, what we'll do in early April is ask some people who have organized festivals in the past to um, to kind of do that, to, to basically do a webinar with a whole load of, of groups that are interested so that they can learn. But they have very clear, they have very clear guidance. So there's, for example, number one is kind of talk to the other key organizers and multipliers in your area. So um, uh, so who are the other people that, that can actually really put time into this? Then, then you think about who, who's within your reach, who are all of the um, organizations and businesses and, and companies and all of this stuff that, that are potentially interested in climate change. Can you ask them to do something? And then you ask who they know, and then you kind of just keep widening your networks. And, and essentially the, the organizing model is that those people in the center aren't really organizing the events, but you're the ones that are kind of really holding it together. And you're the ones that are kind of encouraging everyone doing loads and loads and loads of coordination and liaising, uh, not under, not undermining how much work is involved. But it's, it's it, the reason it's massive is that you are kind of holding together this network of people who are gonna uh, host loads of events. 
So in holding it together, I mean, do you have any publicity that can help local groups? Uh, and in what way can you support them? Yeah, so we are developing a web platform. So that's that will be essentially a way of listing all of the events that are happening on it. it will, and you'll be able to filter it by type of event, by locality. So that means that, um, and then it will be possible for local festivals to embed that on your own site or in the most appropriate place. So that, for example, you can send people, you don't have to build anything, but you can send people to this, you've basically got an event listing so they can see everything that's going on in Enfield at that time. So, so that's the first thing. Um, we'll have kind of template promotional material that, that people can use. So that will be developed with the brand. And, um, and I suppose the other thing is that because all of the events will be coming into this kind of national platform and then every obviously you'll have all the the Enfield partners promoting but also there'll be this, these national partners promoting and uh, potentially very um high profile ones that have lots of of, of uh, really big followings so that will bring other people in that might not necessarily be tapped into the networks within each area so um so yeah a bit of kind of concrete you know resource but also the kind of the, the awareness and bringing in new people okay so um when you do things nationally, I mean, I guess you'll do some national events as well. Um, what sort of ones are you planning that might be fed into the programme of local events as well? Ah, interesting. So, um, well, for example, so uh, one of our, our coalition members is Global Citizen and they do a, um, a concert every year uh, in New York as part of the US Climate Week and there's a, a UN um, summit. Um, so they're doing a satellite concert in the UK Obviously, how much of a concert is going to be depends on COVID, but but that will be um, happening during the week. So that's an example of a big event, which um, I'd be amazed if there isn't some element of live streaming. So that could also be a feature for local festivals that people can get involved in. And that is the... Um, uh, uh, I mean, there's, a, there's other examples that are probably a bit more local so we know that there's going to be a massive glasgow climate fringe uh, festival um and I, but i think that one of the things might happen we're doing all sorts of scenario planning around what happens if we're still in lockdown god forbid um in september but one of the benefits of all of this is that there will be much more live streaming or sharing of videos from other areas so so it's almost like it, it will be it will be super local in one way, but you'll also have access to the rest of the things that are happening in the other parts of the festival. So um, I think we will, I think we need to figure out exactly how that works, but you, you almost, anything that's online will probably be accessible to anybody who's signed up. Um, someone's asked, they're from Northern Ireland, how will they find out what's going on in their area? Do you have that up in your website already, local hubs, so people know where to go, or is that something in the planning? That's in planning. So we're launching it um, on in the last week of March, so about six months out from the festival. So that's when we'll have this online platform live. And that's when we want as much as possible to be on it so that when people first go to it, there's, there's things that they can see. But, um, uh, but did you say Northern Ireland? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No. So, interestingly, I've just been chatting to somebody from Northern Ireland, and so they're talking about how they can how they can um, be involved. But what I'd hope is that there'd be a way for people to sign up so um, e and the, the other thing that we're doing is even if there isn't for example a festival or an event in people's areas you'll be able to sign up 
and show in and, and just basically say that you're interested so that one as soon as something is added you get notified because it obviously six months out is quite a long time to to be to to you know be signing up but uh there'll also be a way that you can sign up and say that you're maybe interested in organizing it but you don't want to do it by yourself so then you're notified if other potential organizers sign up in your area and then that can help you get together and, and organize so we're trying to cover all of the different bases <laughs> in the in the simplest way possible so you're the catalyst, the uh, coordinator and the network. And that's that's an important thing to have. We also want to influence decision makers, don't we? So, I mean, for example, we're thinking here locally of having a meeting during that time, if they're calm and they're better, of our three MPs to talk about COP26 and what government should be doing. Do you think it's important for groups to involve their politicians as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that... So we've we've talked about you know should we have a day that is kind of a lobby day that we encourage everyone to um, to to talk to their MPs um, and it might be that we still go for something where there's a real kind of like political um, conversation element of it. Um, I I think what what we will do either way is that kind of we will encourage anyone who's doing an event or particularly festivals to involve their MPs and and in my experience and I've been I've done a lot of kind of central coordination of local events and a lot of those have been local lobbies that when you really get the MPs attention uh, it's really important to talk to them as part of a lobby but um but you saw you you kind of need that but they also need to get this this sense that this is all happening in the community and then they want to be part of it like you, you don't you want to get to the point where they are actually asking if they can come along because it feels like such a big event and that's what it feels like we'll get to with the festival so um i think basically we need both uh, that's not going to happen in every area i mean the the kind of the mp getting like chewing your arm off to get involved but so in those areas we do need to reach out to them but but we want um we want as much as possible that it feels so big that they have to be part of it yeah no i, I agree that that's a good that, that's the best psychology um you know some people might be afraid this is too big for them and it might be good if you could reassure them that it doesn't matter how small your event is that's quite big it's something that's important and what's important is all these small events coming together make something that is much bigger than the parts so how would you encourage them to say look you know however small your event is if it's just a coffee morning for example that's yeah. still important um, it absolutely. I mean, it's it's this. It, I, I, you could, I suppose, you could say the same as like, what's the point of me going along to a protest or writing to my MP? That kind of by lots of actions coming together, you are you are being part of this huge movement. Um, but the other thing is that kind of small events can have really big impact. So we've got stories in the past of um, people who um, have met a climate skeptic MP, for example, but. Because as they did their research and they realized that he was actually quite interested in the area of um, air pollution um, they he met with them and they actually managed to have a really positive conversation that moved him along and like that's the sort of thing that's going to get MPs involved it's that um, it's not being it's not being kind of confronted and it's not kind of having a huge mob of people talking to them it's the kind of it's the human interactions that kind of um, pull at their heartstrings and, and, and like engage them in the ways that they're interested. So, I, so it can be tiny, but it can be really carefully and well thought out. And then you can have so much impact with that. And I mean, your, your message and what you're saying is when you involve decision makers, don't be adversarial. I mean, be positive, involve them. If you go into them 
with just wanting a fight, then in a way you're defeating the purpose because you're not going to convince them. What will convince them is that they're on the bandwagon that is necessary. Yeah, exactly. And there'll be some that will be hard work. Hard work. We did a virtual lobby in the summer and I was I spent a lot of time um, talking to somebody who was trying to get Jacob Rees-Mogg <laughs> along to a virtual lobby. <laughs> and with that sort of thing, you're you know there's a limit to, <laughs> to how much you can um you can achieve but there are others that are slightly further um uh, it, different parts of the spectrum that are, that just aren't they're not against climate change on principle they're probably they've probably been worried about putting their head above the parapet and they just need to be welcomed into this space where they can identify as as someone who cares about climate change and you know it's it's it, yes yeah, so it's it's quite a um, well, it's, it's the same psychology as like the best way to get someone to dig their heels is, into is to shout at them, but a nice way to get them to move is to, you know, agree with them. And to remember that they all have children and that's what's probably going to influence them a great deal. Um, I mean, we get close to the end of, of this first bit, but, um, you know, once you've done this after September and you create all this energy and all this activity, how will you, how can you feed that into the COP26 meeting? So there's a few different ways that we do that. So one is by the sheer scale of it. So it's, you know, it, by it being big enough, um, politicians will, will need, will want to engage, but we'll, we'll do a lot of kind of political engagement as part of that. We'll hold parliamentary events. We will, for those that are meeting MPs, we'll, we'll kind of suggest a, a number of top line asks so that all MPs are getting the same ask, they're all feeding them back to, to parliament. So there's the kind of traditional parliamentary engagement um, and political engagement. Um, the other thing that we're doing is is one of the, um, as I've said, kind of the, the ways that people get involved in the festival are totally open, but there'll be some um, groups that want a bit of a, a steer and want to get involved. So one of our suggestions for that is to kind of pull together messages from your community and turn it into something that you can either display um, and do like, do media around during COP or actually send to Glasgow. So there's a bit of an actual like literal sending of a message to Glasgow. So um, so there's a there's that. And then the other thing, um, which is actually more long term, is that we are uh, we have a kind of parallel strategy to really think about how we can support groups to carry on and so um and and how what what you know once people come together and organize this is a brilliant thing in a local in a local area how can we encourage them to make that an annual thing or just have an ongoing an ongoing um group that is is lobbying and there's groups like yours that exist already so you you might, you might not need that much support from us but there'll be others where they just come together for, for, the, for the first time and we really want to kind of have a legacy a movement building le legacy that way well, I'm sure we need support. I'm sure everyone would need, would need support. Well, tell us finally then if, you know, lots of people are interested, lots of comments, and we'll come to those in a minute. But, um, you know, if people wanted to find out more about this, if they wanted to get involved in their locality, they wanted to find more about the, the uh, coalition itself, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, well, so um, at the moment, the, the URL is, is to be determined based on the name of the festival, but the, the, the place where there will definitely be information um, once we've launched is our, is our website. So that's the climatecoalition.org. Um, so, so that's it. But then I, I think that there's probably also, I imagine there'll be something um, that's shared through the Enfield networks. So um, um, I, that might be a question for you, actually, that where's the best, where's the best Enfield like focused uh, place for, uh, for people to go? 
Okay. I'm not well, supposed to ask you questions, am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no. That, that's that's the, the 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 perfect thing to do to is to ask the interviewer questions, <laughs> take them by surprise. Yeah. So, um, you know, Fiona, thank you for doing it because I think lots of people are going to be fantastically interested in this festival. Everyone is where increasingly uh, aware and have concern about climate change and we now have got to take this one step forward so i think cop 26 will focus all our minds and the festival will you know provide a fantastic way of doing that so you know thank you for joining us and being with us today and explaining what's happening and i hope that will involve other people and create enthusiasm to make it really successful and have an impact so thank you for the interview. Well, thank you for having me and for helping make this happen in Enfield. Okay, well, thank you. And we'll end this interview now.